You're listening to How To Catholic, Episode 8, How To Habit. Stick it! Hey everybody, this is Lisa Cotter. And I'm Kevin Cotter. And we're your co-hosts here at the How To Catholic Podcast, where our goal is to help you practically live your Catholic faith with excellence. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Lisa here with my husband, Kevin. hey Hi, Kevin. Hey. How's it going? It's going really well. I am stoked about our podcast today. I know you are. This is one of your favorite topics. Excitement level, very high. Very high. We're talking about how to habit today. How do we build habits? And if you remember, this is part of our two-part series. Two parts. <laughs> is that the... <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> yes. I told you I was excited. I'm so glad. Uh, so we're talking about habits, and we thought we would start off here. Um, Kevin, I, I wanted to ask you um, if you have any memories of hard habits that you broke, bad habits that you broke in the past. Well, it's it getting deep real fast. Just going for it, you know, confession time right here. You know, I'd say before my conversion, a habit that I had that was bad was swearing. Really? Bad words. Really, yeah. And I think it's one of those things that, by God's grace, I was really able to kick after my conversion. But pre-conversion... You were a sailor? I was a sailor. I had no idea. I I don't think 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 I've ever heard you say that effort in my life. Well, it's a bad word, Lisa. Why would I say it? <laughs> I just, I don't know. I guess I just, I'm having a hard time picturing swearing Kevin. All right. So I said my habit. What What's uh, something that you've had to kick? That's oh, been... we were just going to talk about yours. Oh, that's, nope. You have to go. <laughs> um, I would probably have to say drinking in high school. Ooh. Mm, yeah. I wasn't like addicted. I wasn't like uh, having you know like was an al- alcoholic nothing like that but i i did drink in high school and that was just part of the culture part of my friend circle because i didn't have my conversion when i was eight like you um 14 thank you very 14. much like right before high school for you basically right yeah between yeah. yeah right before high school it took a little longer for me to answer the lord's knocking on my heart some of us are slower than others mm-hmm. but that was one of those things that if First, I didn't realize it was a problem. And then when I did realize it was a problem, I actually had a cut point where, which isn't always how habits work, but I just was like, and I'm done. I can't do that anymore. But it was like lots of, yeah, interesting. Anyways, that's another episode. <laughs> I think it is another episode. Oh, I don't know what that would be. How to... We should make a series just about all no. your faults. That would be, be a great series. That would be a whole new podcast. Anyways. Okay. So as I mentioned, this is our two-part series. So in the last episode, we looked at how-to resolutions and we talked about how if we want to make changes, we need to actually set goals. And we talked about how do we set logical goals, looking at smart goals and how do we determine what those goals should be. And then now in this new year, we're going to be looking at how do we fulfill those goals? How do we actually achieve them, not just set them and make good on our promises here? So it's one thing to set the goals. It's another thing to actually accomplish them. So that is what we are going to show you how to do today in this How to Habit episode. 
And we think the best way really to accomplish your goals is through habits. So if you want to, <clears throat> excuse me, if you want to lose weight, uh, then you need to exercise on a consistent basis, right? Two or three times a week, or you need to eat better uh, each day. Uh, if you want to get a promotion at work, maybe you get to need to get to your job earlier every day. Uh, if you want to have a great prayer life, uh, then you need to make sure that you make time to do that. You make sure that you go to bed each night on time so you're not tired the next day in prayer. And so I think many of you, when you think of goals, you think of resolutions, uh, you've tried to work on them before, but then you look back and go, gosh, I just wasn't able to do it. And today we want to introduce you to a new way of thinking about obtaining goals. And it's really an easy, I, I found it to be an easy and straightforward way of thinking about goals. And I think it can be incredibly effective. And uh, I know in the last couple months, I picked up five or six new habits. Not all of them have been crazy huge habits, but are at least uh, significant, enough, significant enough to be changing my life in a really, really good way. Yeah, so these are good habits. Kevin hasn't been picking up five or six bad habits. That wouldn't be good. That wouldn't be good at all. This would be an awful podcast. He's gone back to swearing. No. In uh, secret. And I'm definitely not perfect at those five or six habits. I think, you know, sometimes I'm working on not backsliding, but I feel like in a real way, some of the things I've struggled with for a while, things I've told my spiritual director, all of a sudden I'm starting to move forward on these goals, uh, and which is really exciting. So yeah, part of my excitement for uh, today's episode. Good. So we always kind of try to start off episodes with giving a little bit of Catholic vision since this is how to Catholic. And we are talking about habits today, which is really kind of the secular word for what we in the Catholic Church have been studying for years and years about why we do some of the things that we do. And we call them virtues and vices. So we say in the world, good habits and bad habits. And in the Catholic Church, we and other traditional, you know, Christendom. Back back from the Greeks, Aristotle, yeah, talked about virtue. Way, way back in the day. Yep. They would just simply call them virtues or vices. Virtues being good habits, vices being bad habits. So if you look at the catechism, it tells us that a virtue is a habitual disposition to choose the greater good, which basically means that it is a habit, a good habit. So we have this habitual, this habit it's a disposition. And, and what they mean by disposition is it's something that we do naturally. It's just something that uh, we don't even really have to think about. It's just ingrained in us to the point where it's almost like second nature to be able to do that habit um, in virtue being a good habit. And then we can also build ways of these bad habits where it becomes almost natural and effortless to do bad things. We all know those people who it's very effortless for them to just not be very nice. <laughs> Seems like they can do it just so easily. And yes. I also know those people that, you know, they're so generous that it seems like second nature to them. Like they just don't even have to think. They're just, they're generous. Yeah. They're just kind, generous people. So this example that I remember always hearing in college is the example um, uh, of this, like building in terms of building virtues, like how do you know when a virtue has become this disposition, this habitual disposition and not just like a one-time thing or um, when is it really ingrained in you where it becomes effortless? And the example I remember hearing from Dr. Edward Shree, I think that's his second sa- second shout out on the podcast possibly. Yeah, shout out yeah. to the Ted Shree. Yeah, Kevin and I, there, there's a joke at Benedictine at the time that some people majored in Dr. Shree. Um, Kevin was definitely one of them. So Yes, I think seven out of my eight theology classes were 
with the Dr. Sri? Yes. So uh, I remember this example, and it was of, you know, if you have this guy who works at an office, let's say, and their coworker leaves a $20 bill on the table, and they walk by, and the first coworker walks by, he sees the $20, and he goes, oh, I could just take it. Nobody's around. Nobody's looking. Oh, but I shouldn't. That's not a good thing. You know, that would be stealing, but nobody would know. And well, just battles with himself, but eventually decides, you know what? Never mind. I'm not going to take it and walks away. And then a second guy walks by and he, he notices the $20, but he just keeps walking. Like he doesn't even think about it. It's, it's not even an option to consider stealing it. So that's what they mean by this habitual disposition. That's the second guy. So in a sense, the second guy, or not in a sense, in reality, the second guy has the virtue of honesty and really holds it because it was easy, natural, and effortless for him to do that. And so that's what we're kind of talking about um, with this habit. How do we build habits that are easy and effortless and natural and we don't walk by that $20 bill or that cookie when we're trying to cut back on sugar or whatever it is, how do we get to the point where it becomes something that is natural and effortless and it's that habitual disposition of a habit in our life? And and this seems overwhelming because it's like, wow, I really, maybe you struggle with a certain thing and you think, how could I get to a point where it's effortless? But that's the beauty of a habit because if we can get there, boy, wouldn't it be amazing if, yeah, we're not thinking, oh, I want to eat that certain type of food or I have a hard time exercising, getting out the door. If it becomes that ingrained we almost can do it and we're actually happy to do it. That's exciting if we could figure that out. Cool. So what we want to do today, um, we're not going to be using our, our standard method so much of, you know, our three steps or points or tips or anything like that. Um, but we're just going to be walking through how do we build that, that ability to have that kind of habit in our life. And recently, Kevin and I, uh, we, we talked about this last time, alluded to this, read this book together, uh, listened to the book together, called The Power of Habit by a man named Charles Duhigg. And we'll make sure to put this book in the show notes for you. And he is a psychologist. And I was really excited listening to this book because what he did is not intentionally, but he took the wisdom of the church, wisdom that we, we've known for a long time. When we first started listening to it, I was like, Kevin, this is all just like Christian morality. This is all just virtue and vices. Put into a secular lens, looking at it from a scientific and a psychological standpoint. And it was incredible to see. I, I got really excited because I thought, see, they're right. They're right all along. Like he just affirmed what the church has always known about habits in virtue and vice for years. But he really helped put it in a light that uh, made a, just a new layer of sense to Kevin and I. And so it's, it's a long book. It's about 400 pages. Um, so now we're going to begin to read it to you. Boy. Page by page. <laughs> I think that would break copyright laws, Lisa. Oh. That would not be good. Okay. Well, so we're going to pull out some of the best of the best from the book. But if this is of interest to you, it's a great read. Or listen, if you prefer to listen like I do. So um, he just does a really great job of backing up everything with examples in that research. And so we're going to try to give you a little bit of, of the gist and help you to begin to be able to put some of these things into practice. But like I said, I, I definitely would recommend get it on the library list or pick it up. So Duig really starts his book by trying to help us understand how important habits are in our life. And in really ways, I mean, he makes, it's probably an oversimplification, but he says that in many ways we are the sum of our habits. Humans have habits 
for everything. Even if we think, oh, we don't, I don't like habits or I don't want to create habits, we are habitual beings. Think about what you do when you wake up in the morning, right? Think about what you do first. Do you brush your teeth? Do you uh, use the Try bath? to go back to bed. Try to go back to, yeah, do you hit the snooze button? What do you have for breakfast? So many th- these things are run by habits. Uh, even like habits as simple as when we look at email or when we have conversations with people. <clears throat> these are all based on habits. And so basically Duig in his book says that every habit can be broken down into three elements. We're going to be talking a lot about these three elements. So good to to listen to what exactly these are. The first element is cue. The second element is routine. And the third element of a habit is reward. So cue, routine, reward. Maybe we do have our list for this one. Here it is right there. The three elements of a habit. Yeah. So the cue, this is going to be your trigger or the action that's going to help start the habit. So this is really key because this is the decision point for many habits. This is going to get everything started either down a really good road or really bad road. So some of these trigger or cues could be the time of day or so it could be like three o'clock or when you wake up in the morning, maybe the group you're with, a particular group of friends or your family or your spouse. It could even be things like a smell. Or a location. Yep. Um, you, you could even, a certain state that you're in. So a famous acronym is HALT. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Uh, you know, when you have those emotions, when you have those feelings, when you have those experiences, that can trigger certain things and certain habits. Uh, or just daily routines, like we said before, when you wake up or when you have your phone in your hand, when you check social media, whatever it is, um, uh, yeah, that, that gets you started. So those are the cues, uh, and that's our first step of our habit. The second step is our routine. So this is the actions thems- themselves. And it's really under- important to understand the routine is often where uh, we start to do things without thinking. This is the real habit part of it. And uh, Dewey explains by science that we as humans have habits because it helps our brain not to have to think through different things. When we have habits, our brain, actually the brain power, scientifically they've studied, actually slows down. We use less energy when we get into these habits. And this makes sense, right? If you had to think about how you tie your shoes in the morning or how you brush your teeth or how to drive a car, then our brains would always be on overload. But it's almost like our our brains can almost go in sleep mode, so, so to speak, when we start these habits. It also explains when we're in unfamiliar situations, like when we're traveling and we're going through airports and we're constantly having to do things that we normally don't do, we become tired, right? And the stress goes up. Yeah, stress goes up, and that's not how our bodies want to function. Our bodies want to function on low energy, and so that's why we have habits. And so um, once we have this cue, then we move into the routine, and that's just really how these habits work is what we do uh, along the way. And then our final part of our habit is the reward. So reward is what you get out of the routine. So it's something tied to the habit that makes you want uh, to do it. So uh, maybe you're starting to understand these three elements, cue, routine, reward, but we want to give some examples so you can start to understand how this actually works. We're going to give an example from the book. Uh, We're going to give another example actually from from our book, Dating Detox, and also talk about some personal examples that we've picked up as well. So you can try to start to process cue, routine, reward, 
And I think as we share some of these examples, you can begin to see them in your own life as well, whether they're good habits or bad habits. So one that he gives in the book that I thought was really helpful was people who are trying to market toothpaste. Ooh, toothpaste. That's really exciting. Yeah, I know. Everyone's on the edge of their seat. How do you market toothpaste, Kevin? So there was a there's a period of time when people didn't brush their teeth. <gasps> Gross, right? Don't tell their moms. I won't. Well, they're already dead. But <laughs> <laughs> they they didn't brush their teeth, but we had toothpaste. We knew that if people brushed their teeth, it would make them more healthy. And these people also knew if we could figure out how to sell toothpaste, we'd make a lot of money. It's all about the money. So they didn't quite understand Duig's uh, kind of three elements, but they understood it enough to start to try to put this into their marketing. So what they did is they tried to figure out a reason, a cue for people to use toothpaste. They realized that they could set up a situation in, pe- in which people would think, I need to use toothpaste, then people would actually start to use it. And so the cue that they started to market to people is that when they had a film on their teeth. So in the ads, they'd say something like, have a, you know, have uh, film on your teeth or feel that on your, on your teeth. Uh, yeah. When, yeah, you put your, your tongue over your teeth, right? Whenever you have that feeling, then they'd start to associate that cue or that feeling or that trigger with routine, which was brushing teeth, right? And then the reward, which it also market was that you'd have that clean feeling, and in toothpaste, they they know that they, they put a lot of things into toothpastes, whether it be sugar or extra bubbles or whatever it might be, so that people feel that their teeth are more clean. Wait, they put sugar in toothpaste? That seems counterintuitive. I don't they do I don't know what they put in toothpaste. Flavors. Flavors. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mint and stuff, but Yeah, I don't probably not sugar. You're right. You're not a, a But they they make you feel you know, you get that fresh feeling or whatever. Like they always in the commercials, right? They still do it today where like sparkles somehow fly over your teeth, right? They want you to think of that reward when you're going uh, through. And one thing that I didn't mention about reward that I think is really important that he studies scientifically in the book is that when we understand and when we really grapple with this reward with our different habits, once the cue hits, we actually start to begin to think about the reward even before the routine begins. And so when we think about that film on our teeth, we will not think about necessarily the routine of brushing our teeth, but instead our brains will think about that clean feeling that we'll have. And that is really important because that's what gets us to do the routine as well. So um, yeah, just a couple interesting elements as we look at these, these three. Yeah, so that's an example of building a new habit. So this is a habit that you don't already have. And the example I want to give is a habit of how do we change a bad habit. So how do we take something that we don't want to be doing, this thing that we've already ingrained, that we've already created this habit loop for, and how do we recreate a new a new routine, a new loop? So when we, um, after we finished the manuscript on our book was when we started listening to this book. So our book, Dating Detox, and then we started listening to Power Habit. And I was like, oh, no, they're going to tell me all the things I did wrong about because <laughs> Because really that is the heart of Dating Detox is how to build the virtue of chastity, yeah. which is the freedom to love and be loved. And there's obviously more in it than just how to build habits in this sense, like in the like brass tack sense, because um, there's a lot that that's tied into this process, especially with something like chastity. Um but we, I, I was actually quite relieved to read the book because I just used the wisdom of the church, which was then 
threaded throughout this book, even though he wouldn't realize that or probably attribute it to it. He's like, it's the Catholics. Um, I don't think that's what he was thinking. So anyway, so looking back, so, um, so this example here with, with chastity, I think a lot of times um, if, if we're looking at kind of the Friday night routine, I think is, is an example that is easy to give when we're talking about changing kind of that bad habit, that habit of, of hooking up for a lot of people. And it might not be like a full-on hookup, but still getting into that habit of... Some type of bad behavior, Physical, romantic behavior that you'd like to change, right? So, so you have to think about it in terms of, okay, so what is your cue when it comes to this? What happens before you end up in this loop, this routine that you later regret. So the reward is temporary in the moment, but you know once the high of the reward fades that you're going to regret what it is that you did because you uh, can sense and know that like you're made for more. So so some examples I would give. So let's say it's it's Friday night, right? And and you're getting ready to go out, you get dressed up, you go to the bar to drink and then you hook up with somebody. Okay, so where was your cue there? Because oftentimes people will think, oh, well, it was, you know, drinking at the bar. Well, actually, no, that's part of your routine. Um, maybe your cue was more so getting dressed up. Okay, maybe. But really, if you have to try, try to trace back to where do you get to your actual cue at the start. And for this example here, it would be Friday night. That's your cue. Every When Friday night rolls around, you have this cue. What do I do on Friday night? Well, on Friday night, I get dressed up, which leads to going to the bar, which leads to drinking, which leads to hooking up. So if you want to change that habit, you have to go back and figure out, well, what starts this domino effect chain reaction of this routine that you'd like to break? And uh, in this situation, the reward, as I mentioned, is not clean teeth. It's, It's feeling temporarily good, whether that be physically, whether that be emotionally, whatever it is that causes you to want to go into that routine and allows you to follow down that, that uh, trigger down that routine to get you to the point of the reward. So if you want to change that habit and, and you recognize that's actually a bad habit that doesn't lead to my happiness outside of, you know, that temporary feeling of happiness, how do I change that? Then you need to go back, figure out what your cue is, and figure out, well, what are you going to do? How are you going to change that cue so you can no longer enter into that routine, which gives you that fake reward? Yeah, and I think that's um, really key with cues is a lot of times those cues are always going to be there, right? Like it's always going to be Friday night. Like you can't change the fact that it's Friday night. Now you can create new cues in your life. You can put new things out there. But I think a lot of times when you're trying to change a habit, it's it's important to look at, what is the routine that you're doing? And a lot of the reason why you're doing it might be the reward that you're looking at. So, you know, in the case of chastity, I think a lot of times people are looking for true intimate friendship, right? Like they want actual, uh, a feeling of of fellowship or they want uh, a feeling of valued by other people, whatever they're seeking there, right? Um, And so, all right, how do you fulfill that in a different way? What is the routine that's going to allow you to do that? And how could you even set up cues? So it's Friday night. And so that can also cue me to think, oh, that's when I call these friends so that I have a new routine where I hang out with friends and I have a really fun time and I feel very valued. And so I'm fulfilling that same need or that same reward that would happen with the old routine, but to do that in a new way. You have to figure out how do you change your response to the cue before it gets so ingrained into or so deep into that habit loop that there's just no turning back. 
And in the book, just so so you know, we call them triggers. That that's the word that we use is a trigger for a cue. And 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 a new cue could be on Wednesday. That's when you call your friends to figure out a different plan for Friday night, so that when you get to Friday night and you don't have anything to do, you don't go back to your old habit because that's just what you did on Friday night, right? So you. A lot of times you can't change cues, but you you can create new ones to to help you uh, avoid those pitfalls. Great. And how about the reward? What can we do with the reward in order to help change our habits? Well, I think um, some of it has to do with the routine. Like, what am I getting out of that routine? I think it's highly attached to that reward. But yeah, I mean, I think you, you need, ultimately, you're probably searching for true, yeah, meaning and purpose in relationships. So how do I find friends that allow me to do that? I think we, we see this naturally. I, I think that's why Dewey's examples are really plain. Like I think when you explain that, the process, you're like, oh yeah, that's how it works. Anybody that has a conversion, what, is it ha- you know, what does that look like for them? They find friends that fulfill them in a way that they were looking for in their old life, but just in wrong ways, right? Like they had good intentions. They wanted friendship or they wanted meaning and purpose, but they were just doing it in, in bad ways. But then in their conversion, they just find ways to replace their old habits with good ones. And so uh, I don't think the process is super, super difficult, but I think when we actually start to understand the three elements and we learn how to replace those intentionally, um, it just makes a lot of that change rather than being implicit. Uh, I think it just makes it really explicit of how we start to walk through this process. Good, good. So I know, and I've I've seen this, I've witnessed this because I'm married to you and I see you do. You are a witness. Yeah. I know lately that you have, as you mentioned at the beginning, uh, been picking up some new habits. And um, I think you should share with everybody what some of your habits are. Cause uh, yeah, and I want to share the stupidest one to start. This is like the most no-brainer. But I- again, once you understand the process, it becomes a no-brainer. But before you do, it might be something you don't think about. And so this habit that I have, and I think a lot of people in my generation uh, have this habit, is when I wake up in the morning, I look through my email and social media probably within 60 seconds of waking up. I remember the first time I heard somebody else talk about doing that. It was a priest, actually. Yeah. And he like mentioned it in passing. I feel like it was at the end of Mass or something. He was like, sometimes I'll pick up my phone in the morning and check my email. And I'll be like, well, I don't need to do that. Why am I doing that? At the time, I didn't have a smartphone. And I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Why would somebody do that? Why would you start your day? Why would you care? Like, I don't want to see my email until I have to work, you know? And then I got a smartphone, same thing. You just, it's just like, oh, the alarm goes off. Like, oh, did I get any fun email in the night? All of a sudden, part of habit. Yeah. And so it's just, okay, so it's a really simple thing. This isn't like a deadly mortal sin. This is, you know, but it's something that probably, yeah, you should just fill your head with you know, social media or email in the morning, maybe you should say a prayer, just have just space in your life to think about things. These are all good things. So let's break this habit, this bad habit down. What is my cue? What is my routine? And what is my reward? Well, the cue I realize is that every morning my alarm clock goes off and that alarm clock is da, da, da. Your phone. My phone. And so when I wake up in the morning, the cue is my phone is in my hand. And that naturally sets off a habit that I do almost without thinking, which is I look at social media. Now, in the past, I've said this is a bad idea. I shouldn't look at social media. But that cue and routine are so strong that despite doing these things I don't want to do, I'll find myself in the middle going, you know, I probably shouldn't look at social media, but heck, I'm already here. Why not? Right? It's almost like a mild addiction. 
Yeah. Like it's not an addiction that's like detrimental, but it's still like, I just have to do this. I don't know. I just do. And this is how habits work. We do them without thinking and we do them even when we don't want to. And when we're in the middle of them, our brains are shut down lower and our willpower has a really hard time stopping because we'll say things like, I already started looking at for two minutes. What's another five minutes, right? This is how, because our brains want to stick to the routine. And so then I think my reward in this situation is just that feeling of new information or maybe there's an email with um, something new or something exciting, right? Like that's my reward. So how do I end this habit? Well, the first first thing is I've got to, I can actually in this situation can get rid of that cue. And what did I do? I got an alarm clock. And it's a really cool one that shows the time on the ceiling. Yep. So at night <laughs> when you wake up, you can just look at the, it, anyways. That. Maybe we'll get neon stars to put on our ceiling too. It'll be great. Oh, I totally had those in junior high. Yeah. Well, maybe they're coming. Hey, it could be your Christmas present. Don't tell me. Yeah. Um, this a P.S. We're recording this before <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> I realized that after I said that. I was like, oh, next Christmas in next 2017. Christmas. Yeah. We are recording this before Christmas. So I got an alarm clock. And then what do I do with my phone? I put it downstairs where I don't walk in the morning right away. So now when I wake up in the morning, I don't have that cue. And because I don't have that cue, I don't look at my social media. The crazy part is if I ever put my phone back in our room and I use that as an alarm clock, I do look at social media. Even though I know this habit, even though I stopped this habit, once that cue is put back in my life, I immediately start doing the habit again. And uh, obviously I have a decision always to make there, but I think just the routine is so strong that it's so easy to fall back into. And so the question is how do we replace that? So I love information. Uh, I'm a little bit of an info junkie and I, I like that as a reward. So instead of looking at social media, I read NT Wright in the morning on Paul. Cool. Yeah. Uh, geek out with me here for a little bit, but yeah, that's that's my own way of replacing that. NT Wright is like a super heady scholar, if you don't know him. Yeah, so the book on Paul I'm reading right now, which is something I've been, I think I got it for last Christmas, and I haven't read it for a really long time, but it's an 1,800-page work on Paul, and it's great, but I hadn't really cracked the book open. But now I'm actually starting to get through it, which is really exciting. So that's another one of my habits I've been picking up is starting to read more. Um, I think another uh, great one is I got a journal for uh, my prayer times. So for a long time, I've been wanting to go to confession more frequently. But a lot of times when I get to confession, I knew I'm a sinful person. I can name, but it was just hard for me to recall all of my sins to, to make a good confession. So I always felt like, what am I supposed to confess? But now I have a cue, which is my journal. And because I have that journal I bring to prayer, all of a sudden now I'll do an examine in which I'll examine my conscience and be able to start to journal about ways that I can improve in my life. Think Things I've done well also, I think that's a good part, part of examine, but also ways I can improve. So then now when I go to confession, um, yeah, I have, I have ample things to confess and a well-examined life. And then just other cues like, all right, I'm going to set a date on my calendar once a month and with my parish priest to go to confession. And now that's actually happening more frequently, which is really exciting. Again, that's something I've been trying to work on for months. I've been trying to work on that realistically for years uh, with guys in accountability or with my spiritual director. I always just feel like I can't believe I'm seeing this goal again. I I haven't been able to accomplish it. And now I'm really starting to make headway, which, uh, yeah, it's really exciting. 
I'm so proud of you. Hey, thanks. So those are a couple of the habits that I've been picking up. And uh, one thing that I think is really uh, helpful and something that's very inspiring with the book as well is he talks about keystone habits. And I don't want to go into keystone habits too much, but basically what he says is once we start to pick up habits in our lives, or even sometimes when we just pick up one really solid habit in our lives, other habits and other things in our lives become much more easy to change, which is really counterintuitive. We think, oh, what would be easier picking up, you know, just one habit or six or, you know, three habits or six. But he actually says once you get going, things actually, they begin to snowball and it becomes easier and easier to pick up habits. And so um, if you're thinking of that one thing, and that's our, our how-to challenge for this week, is maybe just trying to pick out one habit in your life that you want to change and start to think through cue, routine, and reward. And I think, you know, I'm not for certain, but it could be a keystone habit in your life that really starts you on a trail of getting more habits. So for me, just not looking at social media and reading NT right in the morning, all of a sudden I'm reading way more books. And then I'm trying to think, how could I read even more? And so then I'm, I'm talking to Lisa and saying, hey, would you want to listen to a book once a month with me on Audible uh, that we could listen together and discuss? And now Lisa and I are leading, you know, reading a book together. And, and even our marriage is better because those conversations are better as we're learning things together and discussing those. And so I think just to realize and as an encouragement, good habits beget more good habits. Very good. So just to kind of Try to recap this here really quickly. What we looked at today is how to habit, how do we build habits in our lives? And we looked at how really the Catholic Church has always known how we build habits, virtues or vices. Um, But specifically, we looked at this book by Charles Duhigg called The Power of Habit. And the way that he kind of packaged what the church has always taught in this cue, routine, and reward that allows us to be able to build habits. Um, And then we um, just looked at some ways that we in our own lives um, have seen others build habits and built habits ourselves. So we hope that it's inspired you to get out there with this new year, new you going on to be able to set some, some goals for yourself and be able to really achieve them and kind of watch that snowball of once you see that you can do it and it is, it is possible to make changes in your life Uh, to be able to really um, live life with excellence, which is a big part of our goal of this podcast. Yeah, and just to reiterate that, uh, I just want to encourage you all, if there's habits that you're thinking about, maybe from our part one, um, or maybe just as we're going through this episode as well, don't be afraid to go after them. Don't be afraid to really start to think through them and try to accomplish them. Even if you can just do it incrementally, even if you can just start, just do a little bit I think you're going to find a huge encouragement. I think you're going to see that snowball effect, um, but just go at it with everything you've got and uh, see what the Lord can do uh, in your life. So that was our episode today. And uh, so blessed that you listened. And we're looking forward to next time with you as well. God bless. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast today. We are so honored that you've given us your time. Show notes for this episode can be found at Made to Magnify. And you can connect with me on Twitter at Kevin R. Cotter and Lisa on Twitter and Instagram at Lisa Ann Cotter. That's Ann with no E. We'd love to hear from you there with any questions, comments, or suggestions for topics or guests. 
And would you do us a quick favor? If you've enjoyed today's episode, would you head on over to iTunes and rate the show for us? This helps us get the podcast out there to those who are looking for a show just like this. Until next time, be saints. It's worth it. 